That's right. I'm Chance Dorland, and welcome to the Oink Only in Korea podcast, brought to you each week by KoreaFM.net, an online radio station featuring independent musicians and original podcast content from the Korean Peninsula. As always, I'm joined today by Travis Hull, the man behind the Only in Korea Facebook group. And today we'll be discussing the wonderful world of Konglish, the Korea YouTube sensation Shori, and we'll finish by going through the interesting and often um, kind of odd. Uh, winter habits, at least, you know, from my perspective as a Westerner, that you encounter here in South Korea. Uh, now, Travis, as you know, this week, our topics were chosen for us by members of your group, Oink Only in Korea. And we'll probably have another poll up uh, in that group next week before we record. Um, we're still trying to figure out the format we'd like to use for the new podcast, but it seems like, you know, engaging people is the way we should go. So Travis and I both encourage you, very much encourage you to join that group and vote in the poll each week. Also, on Wednesday, before we record, we also post a final list of the topics that we're going to discuss, as well as a link where you can leave an anonymous voicemail message to comment on any of the topics or even bring up a different topic that you would like us to discuss or at least, you know, kind of share your two cents about. Now, don't worry about, you know, getting identified or something like that. We'll take the voicemail message and put some audio filters on there. So it'll kind of sound like those interviews that they black out. I remember when I was young in the 90s watching Unsolved Mysteries and they'd have someone talking like this. So no one's going to recognize your voice. Everything will be fine. And it's an easy way to participate in the show and also allow other people to get their opinions heard. So it's not just myself and Travis talking the whole time. So if you're interested, please check out Oink Only in Korea, the Facebook group every Wednesday and leave us a voice message. So. Travis, I'll allow you to talk a little bit now. How have you been? You're still enjoying a lot of free time until you start working full time again, I think maybe in like a month or something. Yeah. And um, like you mentioned there about the polling, like this week they picked us, uh, they picked out uh, one of the articles they want us to talk about was the Noryangjin fish market. There's supposed to be a new market there. And um, we couldn't cover the uh, story because there just wasn't enough information yet. And, but I did go down last night and eat there just to kind of check out still seems alive and well there's like you know thousands of fish vendors down there so that was kind of an interesting aspect of the voting for me anyway and so this story hopefully we can cover it in the future but what you're talking about is that people are going to get moved and it's like smaller space so maybe people will get kind of pushed out of the area they've been for a long time it sounds like that and it just seemed to me last night going down there there's like almost too many fish vendors there right now like they're like you cannot sell enough they can't sell enough fish there's just not enough people that want to buy fish. So maybe that might, you know, not to say that people losing their jobs is good, but it might like limit, you know, some of the overfishing that's going on and like some of the food that's just being wasted because no one buys it. That was a perspective I got walking through there last night. There was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of fish vendors, but not enough people buying their fish. So I'm sure tons of food gets wasted. So, you know, it's, it's might even have, you know, it might be good to have that downsize a little bit. I don't know. So I'm glad that we didn't talk about that this week because maybe we would have missed that if you hadn't have gone down and done a little bit of your own investigation. It, it did, you know, it, it did encourage me to go have a meal there that people wanted to know more about this new fish market that's opening. And I do encourage people to go do, you know, it's like a cold, it seems to be a cold winter activity. Like the restaurant uh, we had dinner at was just like packed with people, you know, Korean people. We even sat next to a table of Russian guys who like ordered like a, uh, I think one of them got a cooked salmon and the other guy got like, you know, fried shrimp. So they ate it kind of Russian style with soju. So there are other foreigners there. You know, it's it's a very interesting place to go see in Seoul. Hopefully it doesn't change too much um, or take away from the nature of it. But um, it's still not a 
complete story because we don't even know when the new market's opening or what what's going on with it. So stay tuned. Hopefully we'll talk about that. Uh, but as you mentioned, it's kind of a winter activity to go to, go to these markets out there and, and have a meal. We'll cover that at the very end of the show, some of these winter habits here in Korea. But first off, we're entering that wonderful world of Konglish. You see it on signs here in Korea. You see it on T-shirts, branding of companies. Um, there's a lot of stuff on Konglish, but a recent article by the BBC actually defined Konglish as the Korean practice of adopting English words in a way that English speakers often cannot understand. Now, maybe you won't agree with that, but I think that kind of gets to the point. Um, it's not English. It's not Korean. It's somewhere in between. And often you lose a little bit and sometimes it's a little hard to understand. Also, uh, the Korea Times, which Travis, you know, I love the Korea Times. I have no issues <laughs> with the Korea Times at all. Wonderful reporting entity. Um, the Korea Times says that, quote, the inability or refusal to employ proofreaders who are native English speakers has led to innumerable notices and signs that amuse and puzzle Westerners, end quote. So basically, um, as I mentioned, English words combined either with Korean words or English words that a lot like a lot of Korean words. And truthfully, I found this actually really nice about the Korean language. They'll take one part of one word, another part of another word and another part of another word and just keep doing it and they'll fuse it together. And if you're not really familiar with the words they're using, you'll be like, what is this weird master word that's been used? It gets a little bit confusing. So uh, that's my intro for Konglish. Is there anything you want to add before we kind of discuss some good examples of this well i just want to say you know like it was one of the basis you know are the main reasons i started oink was because there's so much funny conglish out there and i wanted to share some of the finds i found while walking around korea why limit it just to yourself you should share this funny conglish with yeah the world. yeah so that was like part of it you know and the other people and you know i want to say you know i'm not not to take like full credit for oink because there are other groups out there that do this kind of stuff there's like a thai group called tit this is thailand <laughs> Um, okay, sorry, you, you lost the naming game. Theirs is way better than yours. Yeah, yeah. So, well, actually, I called, you know, and then I, there, the group I based this on is a group called OIC. It's only in Cambodia. It was kind of the similar content. So you I was spent like, some time in Cambodia, yeah. I did. I did live in Cambodia, and I, I joined that group first. And then when I came back to Korea, Korea, I realized that there was no group, like, doing similar stuff for Korea. And I have had friends who live in Thailand that said our, you know, that our group is a little more hardcore than theirs at times. Because they limp, you know, they, they, someone can post a picture, but the moderators get to approve it in their group, whereas our group. Yeah, and, and Oink, you got to get someone ticked off at you to take it down. You can just post whatever you want. Yeah, that's true. I mean, whereas in, in some other groups, they do limit that, you know, which we've thought of doing before. But that would be such a headache. Could you imagine trying to approve everything? It, oh, man. It would be a headache. So. Um, you know, after living here in Korea for more than two years, um, you see it so often. I, I don't like walk around and take pictures to remember the really good ones, but one that you would definitely recognize and, and most people probably would. Um, I don't know if, if I would necessarily call this Konglish, but I think it kind of fits into the group is I soul you. Um, I is a word. Soul's a word. U is a word, but in this phrase, it's just the letter U. This is the new branding slogan for the capital of South Korea to the rest of the world. Um, I've done a few reports on this. There are some actually decent reasons why they had to get rid of high soul, soul of Asia. Um, there was a problem with running that campaign in China because China was upset that the soul of Asia was outside of China, you know? So, and obviously so many tourists come from China to Korea, they want to advertise to them. So maybe their hands were tied. Let's just agree with that. And they had to pick a new one, but maybe I saw you would not have been the best one. However, Travis, maybe this is where I'll disagree with you. Now that I saw you has been chosen. 
I like it. I think it's horrible. I think it's not good. But now that they've gone with it, with all the press that it's gotten, um, I think it's 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 literally fulfilling the job of what a slogan should do, and that is get the slogan out there. I think more people will know I Soul You than they ever would have known a very clever and good slogan that would have made sense. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think that, they, you know, it was kind of a, it was a poorly chosen name, but at the same time, after it was released, people made so many memes about the topic, you know, that it was it, it got widely um, spread around the Internet. So, you know, yeah, probably if you picked a more boring name like I Love Soul or whatever they could have picked, it might have, you know, had less play in the media. And again, I think um, the BBC article you might be referencing is um, I think it was in reference to I Soul You, right? Is that what the, the BBC article was? Oh, yeah. New Soul slogan sparks Congress debate BBC.com. So that even got the BBC, you know, talking about both. I saw you and Conglish. So it got, it's been getting play in the international media too. So then what are your personal over the years, the, the Congress that's kind of stuck with you, if you will. Um, like I said, I see it so often. Um, it ranges everything from like really bad words that they've created to just poorly phrased things. Um, so it's kind of hard to identify unless you really, really remember, but what, what for you sticks out? Well, foreigners even start using it. You know, it becomes so prevalent, like prevalently used in this country that foreigners are saying stuff. Like I remember um, when I first came here, I thought people, you know, it was kind of strange that people were saying like handphone, handphone. And then after I thought about it for a while, it's like, well, it does kind of make sense. You know, it's a phone you put in your hand. Um, remote control. It's like a like remote con. You know, that's oh, kind of like Aircon. an easy way. Aircon. That's the one that I use. I never ever say air conditioning anymore and i don't think i ever will because air con is a lot better yeah sometimes conglish really works well yes yeah, i mean and foreigners do use it i mean even though it's that we consider it so silly but you also you know you see it on signage unintentional or misspelled words which isn't really it's not really conglish it's just well, I, I would I would beg to differ because this uh, as defined by the BBC in a way that English speakers often cannot understand. One of the, the damn shames about Korea is that with so many foreigners here whose only job is to teach English, they literally are brought to the country to teach English and are native speakers. And oftentimes, you know, they're not qualified to be teachers. Many of them are, but you know, they, they would never be a teacher in their home country, but they can come to Korea and make a decent amount of money because you know, they're a native speaker and that's a skill that's desired here with so many people here. You, you would think that some of these people would be consulted before stuff is printed or before something's written on a building or before something's written on a sign. I've spoken with friends who were teaching at a school and the school created like a new English learning zone. And they had a plaque that was outside the English learning zone, kind of like the USS enterprise has like the original plaque, you know, that's like hundreds of years old or whatever. And it was like this run on sentence that was just like disastrous. And it was, you know, metal sign. And they didn't check with any of the teachers beforehand just to proofread the sign. So I would argue that I think the mistakes are a very integral part of Conglish. Yeah, they are. And it, in a lot of times, I think it's just laziness. Like they, they assume maybe a Korean business owner will be like, well, no foreigners will probably come to my business anyway. So it really doesn't matter if I spell the words correctly because my clientele isn't going to be looking for that. You know, I think that's kind of the assumption. Or you get a bad English menu and they're like, wow, holy shit, this foreigner actually showed up at my restaurant to eat. And I have this like, you know, 
poorly worded English menu where the foreigner can kind of get the idea of what's going on. But, you know, some of the translations are so literal that it just sounds disgusting or, you know. I, but I, I honestly think that business owners don't really think that foreigners are going to come, sometimes are going to even come to their business. And then when they do, they're surprised that, oh, maybe I should have had that sign translated. Or They're going to start passing around a photo of you. So when they see you outside with your cell phone, get ready to take a photo, <laughs> run out there and wave their arms. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's also widespread on Instagram. If you, if you do hashtag Conglish, almost every day there's new Conglish words popping up. Or, or same on Twitter. Um, if you hashtag Conglish and search on Twitter for photos, there's almost every day you can see new people adding photos. So it's not just me, it's people in Korea that notice it, you know, on almost a daily basis and find it humorous. And that, again, that was like probably about 80% of the content for Oink when we first started. So there's like so much content related to it. It's just, it's an endless supply of humor. So Travis, as just previously mentioned, you've spent some time in Cambodia and uh, perhaps in the in the first show we did, you mentioned how you've been in different parts of Asia, but basically you've spent the most time in Korea, but you've been around some other places as well. Um, we live in Korea, so perhaps, um, you know, the use of Konglish here is, you know, ingrained in us a little bit more than if we live somewhere else, obviously. But do you think Korea is, is specifically perhaps more likely to use this type of uh, wording than Cambodia or another country? I mean, I know this exists in China and Japan as well. I think, yeah, it exists pretty much all over Asia. Like, I noticed it a lot in, in Cambodia. I also noticed that, um, you know, uh, Chinese uh, language has Chinglish in it. Um, in the Thais definitely use it. They have their own variant of it. Um, so you kind of see it throughout Asia. And, um, you know, there's websites. Um, I think the most famous or one of the most famous websites uh, for looking at English, um, misspelled English pictures is English.com. It's E-E-N-G-R-I-S-H. And sometimes well, that's have just unfortunate that time. English. English.com. Um, so sometimes they have pictures from Korea. It's updated every day. Um, the, one of the ones that looks like it's from Thailand right now is uh, a billboard for Coke. It has Coke and a family eating. says, peace soon, P-E-E soon. Um, so there's just stuff all over. And it's all from Asia, sometimes from Korea, sometimes from Japan, sometimes from Thailand. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's prevalent throughout Asia. One of my favorite photos, not involving Korea, but just, you know, whatever it is that Konglish is that exists in other parts of the world as well. My favorite, one of my favorite examples of that is when China had the Olympics, um, they were trying to put English up everywhere. And so they're probably just hiring like horrible companies or the government was helping them do this. And it was like a restaurant or a supermarket where they had used some sort of translation program and they had just printed out all of these um, covers to put over the front of their store. But there had been like an error on windows that just gave a blue screen. So they had a blue screen error all over the front of their store. And someone clicked it up. It was probably on one of those English sites. And I was just so amazed because, okay, uh, that's a big mistake, but also like I, it kind of goes back to the thing, as I mentioned before with Korea, like sometimes people just don't care enough to notice even when something seems so blatantly wrong. Yeah, I guess, I guess, again, I think, I think a lot of it is, is just people aren't expecting foreigners to stumble upon some of this stuff. So it's just, you know, there's no consideration of it because you're playing for the domestic market and you just don't assume that foreigners would care enough, really. I mean, that's where, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Um, Especially in the smaller cities, you know, Seoul's getting like any business in Itaewon at this point, they they can't. 
I mean, they sometimes still do use Conglish in their menus, but it's harder. It's getting harder and harder yeah, for them. I guess it, it would depend where you are. But I, I still, I mean, I hate Itaewon. I, I don't like going to Itaewon. Just real quick, there, there are plenty of places to go in Seoul other than Itaewon. Let's, let's everyone, let's just stop going to Itaewon, okay? I don't. No, no, no. I, I think. I think if if you want to be catered, like if if the the if you want to eat some expensive pizza, if you want to stand in line, you're right. Then you should go to Itaewon. No, there's still some gems there, and a lot of the businesses in Itaewon are owned by foreign Koreans, are foreigners. So I mean, if you want to support like foreign business, yeah, I, I have no I have no problem with the the owners themselves. But I'm just saying, like everyone goes to Itaewon. You know, it's just getting more expensive. I like Itaewon. I like Itaewon. I like Hongdae. I mean, there's like a few places in Seoul that I like going to where I feel comfortable going to. I felt fairly comfortable going to Noryangjin last night, but there's certain neighborhoods in Seoul where there's just nothing to do as a foreigner. Like there's like one wah bar for you to go sit at with your, you know, your three other foreign friends who happen to live in the well, neighborhood. Well, I got to tell you, as a, foreign, uh, as a foreigner living here in Korea, my favorite thing to do is just sit outside of a CU or a GS25 and just drink beer and eat ramen. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can do that anywhere in Korea, though, right? Like, I mean... Like I said, why do you have to go to Itaewon? I can spend... Oh, I mean, if you're looking... Well, one thing, okay, you can sit outside the CU and drink in Itaewon. You can be sitting on the street with <laughs> all the right. foreigners passing you. I can go you. to the CU in Itaewon. Please take in the scenery a little bit or something. It's a different... It's a different. I'm a simple man. I'm from a thousand-person town in rural Iowa. I don't know. I just... Once again, nothing against the people who live in Itaewon, the business owners in Itaewon, Ooh, but Itaewon. Itaewon has enough people going there. Everyone, let's go some other places, okay? Let's, let's spread the love, I hope, okay? I hope they make, like... Basically, what will happen is I'm guessing some foreigners. Well, okay, this is a little bit broad to say, but if a, a foreign, a group of foreigners starts taking over a neighborhood and all getting low rents there, it will become the next trendy area. So yeah, that I mean that's happen. everything. I mean HBC is starting to become more expensive. You know, stuff's moving into there, and that's that's just west of Itaewon, right? If you ask me to pick an area that will be up and coming in the future, like for Seoul, I would put um, I'd say Mule Dong. Yeah, I've 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 played some. Uh, I I live online too, um, and so I go past Mule a lot. And I've played some shows there. It's not as busy as you would hope, but I've played some shows there with my band. No, I, in the I think past. that will be an up and coming area because I think the rents are still pretty low there, and um, you know there's a lot of big venues that potentials um, in that area. That's great. Actually, More power to them. Let's all go to Mule, and then when that gets okay. too overcrowded, like Itaewon, let's all go somewhere else. Seoul's a big place, man. There are lots of people here. It's not like other yeah, cities. Yeah, but there's I mean, also there, a lot there's of so many there's places. also a lot of like places that are so typical when you go to them. I mean, each neighborhood kind of has their own vibe, but like I, I don't even know if that's true. I, I think a lot of neighborhoods are the same. That's true. Like, but the same in the states, right? You get suburbs, and you have the same uh, corporate chains all over. You know, so Korea has kind of those same. Anyway, Konglish. Well, in the interest of time, after we went off on the uh, Itaewon tangent, let's let's wrap things up with Konglish. As you mentioned, just type it in on Google, anywhere else. There's plenty of examples. Walk around with your phone, documenting it like Travis, and submit them to the Oink only in Korea Facebook group. So, uh, moving on to our second of three topics, it's Shori. Um, so, if you haven't seen these videos um i actually kind of be a little surprised i think a lot of people probably have seen these or at least maybe seen them posted on facebook at this point um, but i'll use something that just came out this week from the south china morning post to kind of describe what it is if you're one of the few people who's not familiar 
This uh, story from the South China Morning Post is entitled Sex Fries and Videotape and calls Shori South Korea's biggest YouTube phenomenon since Psy, which of course means a lot. Psy has the most popular YouTube video in the history of the world, uh, still to this day. And uh, Shori is the creator and, and star of somewhat unsettling videos that mix food and sex with a you know a little bit of nudity. Not nudity, but a little bit of cleavage. Um, and then the South China Morning Post also writes with disgust and fascination. So I don't know, not my choice of words. But in her videos, which involve everything from chocolate sauce and soft drinks to squid and even raw chicken. And pardon the interruption, friends, but now a brief explanation of what's going to happen. Uh, I had a clicking sound pop into my microphone about halfway into the podcast. Unfortunately, it didn't show up in my headphones while I was speaking, so I didn't know what was going on. Uh, the issue has now been fixed, so my sincere apologies, but I have to now apply a filter for my voice for the rest of the episode to get rid of most of that noise, but you should probably be able to be able to hear a little bit of clicking in the background. Uh, once again, my apologies won't happen again. But now, back to our discussion of Shori. The 35-year-old Shori presents a bizarre combination of hammy hypersexuality, in-your-face cleavage, and grotesquely handled food. And uh, this is why she's become so popular. And, and, and I saw some comments on this. People were surprised that she's 35 years old. So that stereotype, I guess. Um, I, think, I think it's all makeup. You know, like the, she's trying to portray an image like she's younger than she is probably. So she's heavily make, made up. Well, either you know? way, I, I, I was surprised she was 35 years old. Yeah, me too, um, me too, me too. And uh, the South China Morning Post notes that, of course, some viewers have been outraged by the over-the-top videos, but many more have been won over because they're kind of just joyful and absurd. But most people, the question on their minds is really just why. It's like, why is she doing these videos? Obviously, she's become really popular because of them, but they're, they're all kind of odd. Her official Facebook page has more than 1.1 million followers. Her YouTube channel, uh, around 100,000 subscribers, and she's received more than 21 million collective views of her videos. And she emerged on YouTube last year, but she actually appeared um, on internet video back in 2008 for Africa TV, which does a lot of these like mukbang videos um, where people are eating on like live streaming TV and people can chat up with them. Uh, and finally here, in a recent tweet, she reposted that, quote, my videos don't need... A grand purpose or message, they are not understood, they are just for fun. If you find personal inspiration, good for you. So I guess she's even saying that these videos kind of don't make a lot of sense and you know, make of them what you will. She's had quite a lot of videos. Um, this South China Morning Post article, Sex, Fries, and Videotape, is alluding to her video where there's tons of ketchup, lots of french fries, it's just like all over her body. Uh, Travis, what was your favorite showery video? I don't know if I have one. They're all kind of similar. They all kind of blur together. Like it's kind of the same um, shit every time where the woman has some sort of food item um, and then does something absurd with it. It's like kind of sexual. Um, so yeah, it seems like they're all kind of, they all follow like a similar theme. Which is, which is absurd. That, that would be the theme. Well, I mean, they're like three minute videos usually with, her like trying to be sexy with some sort of food item. The most absurd one I've ever seen was her in a like it looked like a bathtub where the water was kind of gray, and she pulled out like a black chicken, which was probably wasn't cooked, and like put it in her mouth. Um, while, like a price was like raw chicken, you know, which is pretty. If you're you know a health conscious person, you probably wouldn't want to really 
put your mouth on raw chicken. Good call, Travis. I like how that's your, your comment there. You're watching this absurd video and you're like, not a good health move. Not a good health move, the raw chicken. There's also one where she makes out with like a raw squid. Um, I, I've also only seen a couple of these videos, even though people have kind of posted them on my wall or sent me messages because my friends from back home or other countries, they know I live in South Korea. And they're like, oh, have you seen this? It's really popular here. I, I feel I feel kind of weird. Like It's like watching a porno that has like a family member in it. Like it just, I'm very uncomfortable by it. Like I just don't want to watch it. It's, I, I'm not belittling her at all. I think, you know, if you can become famous and you're not hurting anybody, you know, more power to you. I would love to, you know, be able to have millions of hits on YouTube. So I'm not criticizing her, but this eh, makes me a little uncomfortable. I, this is not my bag. I would not watch these. Yeah, it's it's probably, I mean, the thing with it on Oink, too, is people kind of like, as I mentioned with K-pop, they love to hate it. So, like, we've had people in Oink... Um, who are very similar, like they kind of have a similar personality, like people post videos. There was one guy who ate um, rice from his armpit, like he put rice in his armpit and ate it. And um, I think he had like, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of views on his Facebook videos for doing just disgusting stuff with food. So it's it's not like this woman necessarily set the trend. It's like this trend is already <laughs> going on. She did not on. come up with disgusting food videos. No, no, this is already happening in Korea before... Uh, Shori, but like it's it was just like you know. So, so then, so then, what is it? Is it the fact that she is just a little bit more creative in her weird food videos, or is it is it the fact that there's lots of cleavage in the videos? I yeah, don't... it's probably a mix of both. Like I'm sure some like a lot of guys enjoy the cleavage aspect, of it, and then people are also kind of wondering what like disgusting thing she's going to do with food next. Um, I maybe people like like to be disgusted on some levels <laughs> i've been a bad boy today i'm gonna watch maybe two hours of show yeah. videos yeah yeah i mean so that that might be part of it but again she's not the first person to ever do disgusting shit with food in the history of humanity well i'm sorry if i made it sound like she was that was not my intent and i retract that no no Thank i didn't you for think setting you did. me straight travis Travis has been watching disgusting food videos for 15 years. <laughs> I run, I run Oink. People post the most disturbing shit on there. You know, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't her first. There, there was another, um, there was a fellow Oink member who was posting like weird videos of herself, like dancing in front of mirrors and stuff. And she got like a following on Oink. And like one of the videos she posted, I think got like um, over a thousand comments. So people like can, you know, micro, I guess micro blog, it's kind of like micro celebrities or something. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, this is the first person to ever do this on the internet. I think it's just the first person, you know, really from Korea that's been picked up doing this, but there are like thousands of these people in Korea, you know, making money off of eating food on the internet. Yeah. The mukbang, the eating room. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, it's, it's maybe like one of the first Western uh, people that Western, the Western media has picked up on, but it's definitely not. Yeah, because I, I have friends that, that definitely live outside of Korea that know about the the YouTube video or just the videos of people eating in their room and how those people are famous. But this this one seems the next level. Yeah. And just like Psy came out of nowhere. Psy was not this huge K-pop star. I mean, Psy has had albums in the past. And he was known to the point that like he'd be on TV shows or something like this. But it, it, I've heard it said time and time again, if you were to pick a K-pop star that was going to do what Psy did, no one would have picked Psy. 
and then he came out of nowhere. And so once again, this woman just kind of came out of nowhere. There are all these other people doing mukbang and these things, and then she just, you know, starting last year, bam, hundred thousand followers on or subscribers on uh, YouTube, one point one million Facebook followers, twenty one million views, more than twenty one million views of her uh, her videos. Yeah, just bam. I think you know it's it's the sometimes we're surprised by the people who become famous. Like why why are the Kardashian why is Kim Kardashian famous? Like what does this person do? You know, so similar like with this person, it's like it's just surprising sometimes the people that humanity picked to be famous for doing little to nothing. This is at why all. we know that there is no God. I mean, this is why it's not because of natural disasters. It's not because of, you know, poverty and all that stuff. It's because of the Kardashians. It's because of, when I was in the Peace Corps in Columbia, by the way, Peace Corps is horrible. Do not join the Peace Corps. They treat you like crap. Horrible organization. Don't waste two years of your life. But when I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Columbia, I was living with the family and we would watch TV and they always watched that show. I guess it's called keeping up with the Kardashians. Is that what it was called? But I, I watched quite a few episodes cause I'd watch it with my guest mother and her children and stuff. And they would ask me questions about like her lifestyle and stuff as if like I could answer like why she was doing things or like my life is similar. So I can, you know, talk about this with authority. And I was really upset that that, that was like the image of America that they were getting, you know, whenever we were watching that at home in our little, little house. Moving on. Uh, anything else we want to say about Shori? Like I said, I got no, I got no biff with Shori. Not my thing. I feel weird watching the videos, but hey, if you enjoy it, the more the merrier. It's, it's, it is a constant source of discussion on Oink. Um, someone suggested it. it did get two, two most, uh, second most um, number of votes for our topic this week. Um, yeah, I. I it's not my thing really either. I don't think it, it's weird. It's definitely weird. And I sometimes do watch the videos, but I just think it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a passing fascination that will go away later this year or not. I, I think she's here. Maybe, maybe someone, maybe someone will come along that's more extreme than her and do something totally different. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, next year we'll be talking about this other person who's emerged from Korea. And again, last week, you know, I mentioned how the Western media is focused on the weirdness of Korea. Um, and I think um, Shori is one example of that, you know, fascination they have about how Korea is so weird when really this person is like some sideshow that's not representative at all of Korean society. No, but at the same time, like what Shori represents is still representative of Korean society. It's um, food videos, which are very popular in Korea. Okay. We've talked about yeah, that. I'll give you that. Um, it's a uh, Korean girl who is just sort of scantily clad, which, as we've talked about with K-pop, that's something that you know is definitely present in Korean society. Covering yourself with ketchup and eating raw chicken is not. But I think a lot of what she is and what her videos represent, I no, I disagree. I think it is very much Korea. I don't think that's a bad or a good thing, but I, I think it is. I disagree. I disagree with that. I mean, I think I think most Koreans would be really ashamed of if acting you mix like that. Scantily clad K-pop dancing, sexually suggestive K-pop dancing, which we both will admit is there, and you mix that with mukbang, which is the Korean, and I'm sure other countries have it, but it's very popular in Korea. People, you know, doing videos of them eating, and you just add in a little bit of weirdness. That's what Shori is. Well, I, I also think, though, that 99% of Koreans would never act like that, and they would be very shy 
to ever record themselves like that oh, and then sure, and sure, release it on the internet. Sure, you know, so I mean, like saying that's representative of Korea, maybe it's representative of the mass media in Korea, but it's not necessarily representative of like how Korean people behave. YouTube stars are not representative of the country they're from, as in a normal person would do that. Like it, it's not like the the Bundys who took over that that um, that building in the United States. Normal people would not grab guns and go to Oregon and take over a building and be like, "If you come in, we're just gonna shoot until we die." But in America, we have a huge problem with gun culture, and we also have a lot of people who are very anti-federal government. And so, at the same time, while most people wouldn't do it, it is still very representative of America. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of pushing it too. I mean. Like Korean people, I'll find Korean people ask me sometimes, like, "Oh, do you like um, do you like guns? Are you you're American, so you must like owning guns or something?" Like that makes some sort of comment like that. But a lot of Americans do. That's true. I personally, I mean, I grew up around guns and stuff. I don't know if I'd own one at my age now. Um, but you know, I'm from a rural part of America, so we grew up around that. Again, I sorry, I, I don't know how this relates to Shorey really. <laughs> Well, I don't know. We'll move on. Uh, we're we're getting a little feisty in this episode. So, uh, and before moving into our final topic of winter in Korea, I want to include a voice message about Shori that we received after we recorded this episode. It gives a very different perspective on um, this internet YouTube star. And thank you so much to the person who decided to step up and leave us a voicemail message. Um, as we mentioned in the show over and over again today, you can go to koreafm.net um, and I post something on our blog every week before we record. Uh, the posting should go up around Wednesday and we usually record on Thursday or Friday. And you can leave an anonymous voicemail message. And as you're about to hear, I'll kind of change it a little bit. So... No one will be able to tell it to you. And we would really appreciate to hear from uh, many of you guys on the different topics we discuss each week. So once again, here is this very brave person talking about Shori. I would like to comment on Shori's uh, viral videos. And uh, I find her videos uh, quite uh, funny. And uh, it's up to the audience how they can take it like uh, some may find it to be some may find it uh, like uh, someone is trying to get some attention what i found it is quite funny i laugh a lot when i watch her videos and that's what that matters and her agenda may be that looking for some attention and recognition but maybe she succeeded in that to some extent, because she has a huge number of followers and uh, every video gets so many shares, comments, likes and everything, even though the comments are really harsh. So, yeah, I like her videos and I like enjoying it. Moving on to our, our final topic here. Um, this is something that if you live in Korea during the winter time, inevitably you're going to run into a few things that are different. Um, at least, you know, as, as, as American, I think that that's true. Um, I think that's probably true as a North American or as a, a South American or a European. Definitely. Um, those are the places that I've lived. So I, I will go that far. Um, these are some winter habits that are a little different in Korea. Travis, you've lived here much longer than I have, so why don't you start off here with some of the things you've noticed that are a little different about Korea during the winter time? Okay, I'll start you off with one from this will be a blast from the past. So no, no one living in Korea right now would have ever experienced this, but I taught a guy 
who told me that during the winter when he was growing up, there was no um, there was no running, you know, running water in his house. So they'd have to boil water to take a bath. So they got a bath, you know, not very often in the winter. So they would all go to the sauna on Saturday or Sunday to take their weekly bath. Um, and there would be you know, like tons of people there at the sauna or all this, the various saunas around the city. So that's something that like used to go on in Korea. Of course, now we have like modern luxuries, but there are also, you know, just a ton of other habits um, that Koreans kind of are unique for, um, or at least get noticed by foreigners during the winter. Typically, like um, one thing that foreigners find to be humorous is that during, you know, you have a classroom and your co-teacher will open the window in the middle of winter. It's like, you know, minus 10 outside, and the co-teacher yeah, opens I've, the window. Yeah, I've experienced that in an office here in Korea. The open and, window. and you're like, why did you just open the window? And they're like, oh, I, I needed to let the, the fresh air into the room. And you're like, what? You know, it's, it's, it's freezing out there. Why are you doing that? You know, and, and they, they just don't get it at all. They will, oh, no, the, the room needs, we need to circulate the air in the room so the children don't get sick. Something I'll add to that is I found that I don't know if this is corporate culture not saving or corporate culture not spending money or if this is something that could be made more Korean wide, but I found that companies often won't heat the building during winter. So like you have to at all times wear your coat. Yeah, or the government will set some, you know, asinine policy where the temperature has to be kept at some level. So you have to like scream at them to raise it higher than that level. Like I was teaching in a um in a lifelong learning center in Guangyang and whatever the government policy that was set was often too cold because we were in a basement facility. So even the students, you know, like some of the students were elderly people. They were complaining about how cold it was in the building and the maintenance guy just did not want to budge and raise the temperature above whatever the mandated uh, legal limit set by the local government was. So it's just, sometimes it's just absurd the amount of bureaucracy involved you know, into heating a building. And then also something connected to heating, probably more in your home than in the office. I don't know if I've ever experienced this in an office setting, but um, a lot of apartments, a lot of Korean homes have floor heating where it's not hot air that's coming up like I was used to in the United States, but there's hot water underneath the floor that then heats the floor. Yeah, and I think I think that's one of the most awesome things about the winter in Korea, to be honest. That's like that's the coolest thing that Korea has. You know, if you've ever been to Japan during the winter, it's these some of these houses are very drafty, but in Korea you do not feel cold during the winter because of the ondo heating system that they have here. So it allows you to like your floor is warm, so you could even like curl up on your floor and take a nap because it's gonna be nice and warm because there's like warm water circulating uh below you. So it's it's I think that's very efficient. I, to be honest, like if I move back to the States, I would love to have that same sort of heating system in my house in the States. Because I remember in college, when I was in Minnesota, we had radiators. Yeah. And basically, I mean, <laughs> radiate with radiators, it's not warm unless you're standing right next to that radiator. Yeah, the radiator is basically a big, giant floor heater that you can't move and you don't have to plug in. It's just always there. You have to just stand next to it. Yeah, it, I think that's probably operated by like natural gas and hot water too, but it just doesn't make the room nearly as warm as the Korean floor heating does. Now I'll, I'll agree with you here. I like the Korean floor heating. Um, when I first discovered it, when I first came here, I was like, Ooh, like, you know, it was so it was such a, new, a novelty for me. But at the same time, if you live in an apartment, for instance, my first apartment was like a 1.5. So I had floor heating on the first floor. And then I had like a small staircase that went up to, um, like a loft 
and that was where my bed was, and you couldn't, like, stand up fully. It was just kind of like a little, like, pirate's <laughs> little, like, what would you call it? It was like a little nesty area where, where my bed was up top, um, and the bed was just there when I moved in, so I, I kept it up there, but the floor heating wasn't on the second floor, so the floor heating didn't help me, and then also, like, now in my apartment, my bed is not on the floor. So when the floor heating is turned on, I'm not getting the floor heating. So I would much rather have like hot air coming in. So there are some drawbacks to this. I don't know. I I like it. I mean, I haven't this winter I haven't felt cold and I think we haven't had the temperature above 23. Well, it hasn't been a very cold winter. It's it's well these days it's chilly, but yeah, it hasn't been a very cold winter. We have like finally got one small snow that stuck to the ground. Um but it hasn't been that cold. I and mean, last winter wasn't that cold either. But there have been a few cold winters in Korea that I've experienced. And I've, I've always appreciated the heating systems they have here. Um, versus, like, I spent a, a Christmas Eve night in Fukuoka getting my visa renewed. And I stayed at a hostel there. And I remember it being just very cold and drafty. And the blankets weren't thick enough. You got your visa renewed on Christmas Eve? I, I had to stay... Sorry, I had to stay... Um, I think the way it worked is I had to stay Christmas uh, the day before Christmas Eve, and I left Christmas Eve day, so I got back to Seoul Christmas Eve. But it was still kind of like a a weird Christmas Eve because it's like I'm commuting back to Seoul at five thirty in the evening on Christmas Eve after getting my visa. It was one of these like after school programs, so they wanted me to work like right away, you know. So of course it couldn't be delayed for a couple of days. Oh, but of course, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what else, uh, Korean winter comes to mind? That's kind of my my limit is the, the the kind of more the obvious one. I can give a couple more examples. Um, so one thing that you'll notice is um, in every door, if if a building has two doors, it like um, inevitably one door is always going to be locked uh, at all times. And I find that there'll be uh, there'll be like giant glass win- or giant glass doors at like an apartment store, and more than half of them will be closed. And no one, I think no one has given a good concrete answer as to why that is. But I think also that because of that, it causes people to leave one of those doors open during the winter. So you enter a building, it's just incredibly drafty in the building because this one door that is ajar, people just leave it open so it's easy to enter. So people know what door is the one that you can enter through. So that's one thing you notice. You know, another thing you'll notice is that bus drivers and even the subway will crank the heat to the max. And of course so you'll you have come in like, with all your coats. Yeah. And then like a lot of Koreans like to wear these like seven or eight hundred dollar winter coats like um Canadian goose, yeah, I think is the brand. That's really popular here. Yeah, those are like meant for like trudging through the Arctic cold. <laughs> and people have them on on the metro and then the temperature is like thirty five degrees but on the, the metro. But the heating on the metro is similar to the heating at home in that yeah, the, it's the like, seats get hot. They will they will sear your ass. I mean, sometimes the seat is so hot, it's like you feel your butt cooking on the seat. You know, it's just it's ridiculous how much how much heat is put into like the public transport and when it's not even really needed that much because the people who are riding it already have winter coats because they're dressed to go outside. So there's really no need. I mean, the amount of heat that you get on the, or, or even aircon. Sorry, there's a Congress there, but air conditioning in the summer um, is sometimes just. You know, too much. Yeah, I, I remember that as well. But it, it's really funny because the more you talk about these things, the more I remember. Um, 
like some other countries other than like the United States, you know, where we both grew up, where pretty much everyone always has hot water at all times. In Korea, at home, most of the time, people have hot water turned off. And in a lot of public buildings or like shopping centers, they also won't have hot water. Uh, sometimes they do, and it's amazing. Living in Korea, whenever I find it, like, whenever I go to the bathroom, I can wash my hands with hot water. I'm just like so amazed. But I'm often amazed when I can just wash my hands with soap. Um, there's not a lot of soap either. So what happens in the winter is you go to use the bathroom, like at a restaurant or a public place, and you'll walk in, and not only will they often not have soap, they'll only have cold water. So your hands are freezing afterwards. Yeah, you're, you, yeah. It feels like you put them into like some sort of, you know cold river of ice but then you also have to wonder like well if i couldn't wash my hands with soap what about the dude yeah, that's cooking my meal yeah i think they probably have a different bathroom i mean who knows well I mean, you hope they do <laughs> you hope they're they're not you know that that's a decent point i personally have never thought about that because I've, I've had only good experiences eating in, in korea korea is a great place to come to to eat it's not nearly as cheap as, as some other places uh in asia but uh, eating in korea is a fun time don't give eating in korea a bad name travis okay yeah but the the, the issue with you know just install the the hot water heater you know why don't they install more of those that's just or it's just 2015. Some simple hand soap. I, I, I would go, I would rather, I would forego the hot water just to have soap everywhere. And not like a bar of soap, because that's, that's a little odd for public use. I have a bar of soap at home, that's fine. But just that little push thing where either the gel comes out or a little bit of foam, that's what about fine. The, what about the, um, like the jerk-off soap yeah, you see in the yeah, bathroom? Yeah, I know. You know about yeah. that? If you've never been to Korea, so imagine there's like a metal rod sticking out of the wall, and at the end of the metal rod is, is, is like a circular bar of soap, and you just rub your hand on it up and down to get some lather, and then you clean your hand. When you first come here, it's rather strange. I've gotten really used to it. But even that's not there all the time. Some of the time, there's just there's no soap at all. No, it's like been completely jerked off, and then there's like a just a, <laughs> a, a plastic thing there. Like the person hasn't been in to refill it. Anyway, I, yeah, soap is an issue. I think they've gotten better with that since the MERS, uh, the MERS outbreak. Well, this now, last the, summer. now the the buses I think still have just the there was hand, like sanitizer hand sanitizer on the buses yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so they've gotten better with that. But um, just install the hot water, Korea. Come on, get with it. Install the hot water. If you don't, if you don't have hot water in your building. You're being lazy. It's 2015. There's no reason not to have hot water in the all winter. The, all these places that don't have hot water, they also look really nice. Like if we were eating in shacks and there's no hot water, yeah. like what do yeah, you expect? Yeah, that's understandable. But, but you're in like a giant mall or you're in like a nice restaurant, and, and even if it's kind of like a crappy restaurant, it's probably like a hippie or it's probably like a hipster crappy. So it's supposed to be like that. And so like, you know, it doesn't make sense why they wouldn't have a little bit of yeah, hot water. Yeah, I mean, it's totally inexpensive at this point for people to have hot water in Korea. It's, this is a very developed country. You know, I mean, it, it, there's really no excuse for businesses not to just put it in there. And you'll, you'll, your, your clientele will thank you for having the hot water in your business. Like, because it's such a surprise to actually see it in Korea in the winter. It makes my day. It really does. In fact, yeah, I, like, I, I, yes, I lived in, water. I lived in Hongdae for almost, no, I've lived in Hongdae for about a year and a half. Um, I'm much more a, a fan of Hongdae than Itaewon, as I mentioned earlier, how much I hate Itaewon. But, 
Uh, so I actually know some places in Hongdae, depending where I am, I know where to go to wash my hands because they have hot water. I have that map in my mind. Me too. I got it. I have it for hot water, and I also have it for public bathrooms that have bidets in them. So, like, I remember certain public bathrooms. Oh, that's a little creepy, man. That's Why? Why? Creepy. If I'm out and about, as a as a freelance English teacher, you're out and about in the city quite a bit. So it's like. <laughs> I remember the bathrooms that treat me well. That's you right. Know, versus those that like. <laughs> All right, guys. Tonight, you know, we're really we did we did great at the the office this week. Taught a lot of English. We're gonna have a good night. But uh, let's let's just go over here a little bit. I gotta I gotta <laughs> I gotta drop a deuce. And uh, this place has a bidet. So I'll see you guys in fifteen minutes. City Hall, um, the new City Hall. It's open to the public. There is bidets there. Really, I've been to the new city hall quite often. I guess I haven't gone to the bathroom there. There, there is. I used to teach there, so I know what what's up with their bathrooms. You used to teach in city hall, the new yeah, city I taught, hall. I taught students um, on the weekends for an hour and a half on Saturdays. I would teach them. Um, they wanted to learn um, American TV English, so we go over like <laughs> a lesson of. Modern Family for an hour and a half. Really, you couldn't decide to use like a Jerry Springer episode. No, no, like they it? they wanted they had specific requests. Like they wanted Modern Family. They wanted um, what are some of the other popular shows these days? The Desperate um, Housewives was a while no, ago. No, no, they didn't want Desperate Housewives. They wanted those like, what's the one about the geeky, uh, corporate people? I I can't remember you've the been, name. Of you've been gone from. American TV and and guns and freedom for too long, Travis. It's all it's not up there anymore. I tried to pass them off onto friends, and they were like, "Friends, so old." Oh, oh yeah, I, I was gonna say because Koreans really do like Friends, but I guess the younger the younger kids would not like Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's in nineties, you know. Like, what can people really relate to from Friends? <laughs> 2015. <laughs> no one gets Ross anymore. No one can relate yeah, to Ross. No one cares. All right. Well, that uh, that'll do it for this uh, a little a little bit angry episode of the Oink Only in Korea podcast. Once again, you can join that group on Facebook. Um, we post. Uh, I think we'll keep doing that. Maybe we'll adjust the way we do it and just have people select some of the topics. But sometime in the beginning of the week, um, we'll probably be posting um, a poll that you can choose the topics. Um, or you can even submit your own topic, and maybe people will choose that, and that one will make its way in there. I think someone wanted to get a dominatrix for Daniel Lee in the group. Wasn't that an option? Yeah, that was. I think that was like the third or fourth most ranked uh, topic this week. So. Show yeah, Daniel Lee some justice by buying a Dominic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we should kind of let's we should talk a little bit of shit to the, some of the members. because we This week we tried to get people to record their opinions on these issues. But, you know, you have people who are like willing to talk shit in text and like all the time. But we had no one who was willing to come out. Yeah, we posted this little poll. We said, hey, why don't you guys pick? Uh, you know the topics for us and people wrote a few things oh these topics you know we should talk about this that or the other and I said hey that's great that, that's awesome why yeah. don't you why don't you leave us a voicemail message let us know how you feel why don't you join us on one of the next shows yeah. not not the most enthusiasm that I've ever received <laughs> I think people were willing to help pick topics but it's hard to get people to be willing to like record their voice to be featured on in radio format so if you want to do it just do it um you can remain totally anonymous when you yeah, do but it. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna filter it out, so it'll be like oh, I hate Travis Hole, Travis Hole. I mean, it'll be like that. It'll be fine. Yeah, just just feel free. Um, don't don't be don't be a wuss. Don't be a wuss is all I gotta say. All right. Um, thank you for listening again, and um, 
next week again we'll do the same thing but i hope some people will be willing to record their um opinions about the issues and we might have some people from Oink, perhaps uh, as a guest on the show. We we use Skype, you know, just to to do the show. I I, I record it from my house, so uh, always a possibility. This is our second episode. We're just trying out some new things. So Travis, uh, th- of course, thanks for joining me. We had a little bit of a disagreement this episode, but that's fine. I mean, I'm right, you're wrong. It is what it is, and uh, I'll speak with you next week. All right, have a good week. I'll talk to you soon.